Hey, this is your love coach, Jackie Lore, and you're listening to the Crazy Love or Nothing podcast, where you'll find out how I stopped playing the game and found my person, the only person who ever made it past one hour on a date with me. It didn't take a long time to find him, it just took alignment. If you're ready to find crazy love, a love where you can be completely real and authentically, zenfully you, keep listening. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Today I have Amanda Kuda. Okay, you guys, stop. This is amazing. One of her books that I just finished reading, Unbottled Potential, is absolutely beautiful, amazing, empowering, and truly changed my relationship with alcohol. Um, Amanda, you want to say hi? <laughs> hi, thanks, Jackie. I'm so glad to be here today. I am so pumped that you're like, honestly, I finished reading the book and I'm like, shut up, Amanda Kuda. I was like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. And I read a few books about, you know, leaving alcohol, changing my relationship. I loved Annie Grace's book was amazing. Um, And and someone else too, which, oh my God, Jason Vale, his book was Mm -hmm. great too. I've been on a journey for the past couple of years and it never lasted. Like the thing is this, your book hit me so differently. It landed. It felt like it was talking to me, like specifically to me. It just resonated immensely. And I know so many women in this community will absolutely love this book. So if you are listening and you've wondered about, maybe I should question, maybe my relationship with alcohol What's this about? Listen to this episode with an open heart, open mind. There's going to be so much gold here. Um, Amanda, like if you can't tell, I'm excited to have you here. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that the book touched you on that level. I think that some of my favorite podcasts to do have been people who read the book and they're like, wow, this just exactly what you said. I felt like you wrote it for me because that's what I wanted the soul of that book to be that it felt like you feel seen and validated and understood and you know, just having the shared experience. And it's such a different book because there are so many books like Annie's is wonderful, but it's really a more scientific and practical perspective. And I wanted to speak to people on the soul level, because for me, that's how I understood that my relationship with alcohol was going to change. And I wanted to share that sense of understanding with other women. So I'm so glad that it resonated with you. Yeah, I am. So, you know, something that really was in me was alignment. Like I felt Mm -hmm. my soul was kind of like, I just wasn't aligned. And it was so hard to articulate that. And I felt like nobody understood that. And so when I'm, you know, I live in Tenerife in the Canary Islands, part of Spain. Okay. Mm -hmm. Drinking is a big deal. Well, drinking is a big deal everywhere, but totally, you know, in my culture, like I'm Latina, Spanish, you know, everyone drinks. And so to me, it's like, Spain rejected. <laughs> Anytime I said I'm not drinking, they're like, what? <laughs> this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, your book was honestly, and I'm, I'm saying, I'm not saying this lightly. This is the first time that I don't feel I need to use my will to stop drinking. Like th- mm-hmm. that's huge. Like, I yeah. don't feel that. Wow. I feel it's crazy. <laughs> It is. And it's by design because I think that sometimes once we become aware of our own fantasies about something and how we've been like letting those fantasies dictate our actions and keep us from doing things that we really want it to do, or keep us from having the life that we really want to live. Sometimes that's all it takes, especially for really intelligent, capable women to be like, wait a second, wake up self. This is not the life that you signed up for. And yet it's the life you've been pursuing on accident. So sometimes it's just like hearing things from a specific perspective that help you say, oh, wait, uh, 
no more of that. A hundred. It really felt like a wake up call to me. It really felt, and it wasn't uh, preachy. It wasn't coming on too strong. It felt like you were like a friend where I just felt like it was so intimate. I felt like we were connected and I felt like you saw me and I felt like understood for the first time. I was like, oh my God, have you been in my head? I was like, wait a second, how do you, how do you know this? These are my thoughts. And, and not only that, but to you help me unpack so many things that I was kind of like bearing with alcohol, you know, not really wanting to face it. Um, I did your unbottled challenge too, which was amazing. I thought that, you know, was such an additional, awesome, just a, more reason to like oh shit I love the book I'm, I want more time with Amanda let me do this challenge and then I sent you a message like oh my god well, she did my podcast that would be a dream I'm like Let's yes you know this. what I love I love these conversations because you know as an author I've done plenty of conversations with people who skimmed the book or barely you know barely got a chance to look at the book before it was time for us to talk and so it's these intimate conversations where you know that the person has been impacted by what you've done in some way. And I think it's so special to, to have these conversations. So I'm so glad that you did reach out. Yay, good. I also like to speak to the women that I coach and I see, and I'm so like, you know, I'm all about empowering women and helping mm -hmm. them see their worth, see how beautiful they are, that light in them. And so they don't tolerate and settle for toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was doing that all the time for years before I realized how worthy I was. And yeah. I created a way to date where I was like, no more, like no more sister, like wake up. And, and I love how you compared alcohol to like a toxic ex. I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So much. It's really, a, it's a, the comparisons are shocking. It's so true. That totally landed for me. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is what I help the women in this community do is a lot of them come in here still kind of attached to that toxic ex. They're trying to, you know, break up. They're trying to, they're still doing the once in a while calls. And, and so I'm walking them through it. And, you know, once they realize how worthy they are, they'll never look back. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just got goosebumps. You see that? And like, and that's, yeah. that's exactly what was happening when I was reading about you know, in your book, I was like, Oh my God, the alcohol, like, like this is what I'm teaching the women in my program, you know, about when it comes to love. And this is so aligned to mm -hmm. what I'm about. Like you, Amanda, like I, I, I know you just met, but like, I love you. I'm not coming on too strong. <laughs> <laughs> if this was a first date, we'd have to have some words, but as exactly. a friendship thing, like, I think it's, no, this is, it's so fun to hear that, you know, and I'll, I'll love to dive deeper into that analogy for anyone who is, um, listening so that you get what, you know, kind of what I teach. So I work with women who are casual social drinkers who have started to realize that alcohol is not serving them. And a lot of them, you know, for me, I was, when I quit drinking, I was 30, just, I just turned 30 and I was a young single woman and I'm still a young single woman, but that was several years ago. And I, um, I really found that what my relationship with alcohol was, is it wasn't bad. Like it wasn't abusive necessarily, but it doesn't have to be abusive for it to be unfulfilling and unproductive. And so when you compare that to a relationship, I'm sure you have a lot of clients who are in unproductive, unfulfilling, not quite abusive, but relationships that you would want better. You would want them to have stand more in their worth and for them to experience more love and connectedness. And that's what I found in my relationship with alcohol. It wasn't abusive, but it also wasn't great. And yet 
I kept going back to it because it just felt so normal. It was the pain and the discomfort that I already knew. And even when I would try to take breaks from alcohol, there would always be this, oh, well, surely I can just have one, which is kind of like how we deal, deal with an ex. Well, surely we can just like hook up or see each other or I'll just, I'll just check in on his social media or her social media and see what's going on. And it's those little, those little seemingly innocent hits that drag us back into the drama. And I really wanted for women, especially to step into their worth, which seems like very aligned with what you're teaching to your clients and really say, no, I want to show up for myself and having a half-ass affair with a person or a substance just isn't it for me anymore. So I want to take actions and involve myself in relationships, whether they're with a person or an experience that are helping me to be my best self. And at the end of the day, when I looked at my relationship with alcohol, as much as I fantasize that it helps me come out of my shell or it helps me be sexier or funnier or cooler, it really didn't. And I had to get really real with who I wanted to be and was alcohol actually helping me get there. And the answer for me was no. And so I made the really difficult decision to remove it from my life. And my life has never been better. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. And and like, in terms of what you were saying too, about going back once in a while, because that's what I do. And I know a lot of women that I work with have done that with alcohol too. They're like, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, let me just stop for a bit. And, you know, listen, everyone's on their own journey. But for me, that resonated mm-hmm. big time because I always yeah. do that. I'm like, oh, let me take a break. So this mm-hmm. past, last year, I did like dry January and uh-huh. then I went right back to it. And yep. then I did six weeks off right before a cruise. I'm like, wait a second. I can't be a person on a cruise to not drink. Like, that's like right. a loser. That's like a loser, right? I was like, I'm not a uh-huh. loser. Like, it's crazy how my brain totally like that inner critic, which I love that you talk about totally was like, no, you don't be a loser. You got to like drink on a cruise. Yeah, it's already paid for. You have to. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So I, you know, and then I did it again, but I just, I remembered feeling so good when I wasn't drinking and then, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling like shit after I'm like, wait a second. Well, but I still kept doing it. And this is, this is something that I talk about, like just comparing it to what I do with the women about love is like mm-hmm. when they say, oh, you know, let me just check their social media. I, I have podcast episodes, like don't like stalk your ex and shit, because yeah. it's like the universe has your person waiting to meet you, right? I mm-hmm. truly believe that to my core. Like I'm living my happily ever after with my person and people always say, oh my God, you're so lucky. I'm like, I promise it's not luck. Like I took action, mm-hmm. but all of my actions were aligned and leaving space for the universe to deliver. And I truly feel the same goes with alcohol. As soon as I stop drinking alcohol, like Amanda, it's like, wait a second, how is my life just, everything seems better than ever. More opportunities are coming. Like I feel brighter every single day. I feel like the universe is delivering and finally waiting for me to like, just have that space. And I think alcohol was that toxic, toxic substance that was robbing me you know, yeah. oh my gosh, I, like I, I can't, like I'm telling you, Amanda, this, it's been a month for me that I've not been drinking. I stopped January 8th, uh-huh. but it's, it's not even like a, a thing in my, I'm doing the 90 day challenge according to your book. Yes. Which I, which I absolutely love everyone. Seriously, if you haven't read it, I'm going to send a, a drop a link down here in the show notes, Unbottled Potential by Amanda Kuda. It's amazing. And I can't tell you enough, um, like when you said 90 day challenge, I was reading it. I was like, oh shit, like right in the first chapter, I think you mentioned mm-hmm. it. And I tell my husband, I'm like, babe, 
um, we're doing this for 90 days. <laughs> he's in his head. He thought like 30 days, January, 30 days. Yep. I'm like, oh, by the way, it's 90 days. He's like, what? You said 30 days. I'm like, no, no. Like when I started reading this, it's 90 days. Okay, well, it's fine. Let's do 90 yeah. days. <laughs> oh, it does feel pretty confronting though, because when you tell someone to take a break from something that's a security blanket, which like going no contact and dating, very similar. If you said, I need you to clear this person from your life for 90 days, <gasps> that feels a little unsettling. And yet you you are a really great example of when you get in alignment, with your highest self, which is what will happen when you remove anything that is toxic or not rooted in self-love and appreciation and expansion out of your life, you will start to call in things. I used to have this program called stop drinking, start manifesting, because I saw such a correlation between people who quit drinking and got into energetic alignment and were doing all of, you know, the spiritual and the metaphysical and the self-help practices with how quickly and clearly and easily they would call in their desires into their life. And I have certainly noticed it in my own life. And so I'm like, well, can we replicate this in other people's lives? And sure enough, you can, because it's all about energetics and the energetics of alcohol are that alcohol is a low vibe substance. And so when you engage frequently nightly or weekly with a low vibe substance, you are just going to have a more difficult time attracting higher vibe things. And so you're witnessing right now, Jackie, what it's like to be in that alignment, to get that low vibe thing out of your life. And then you become basically a magnet for more high vibe experiences you know, what, whether that means, you know, experiences with your partner, emotional experiences, things that you're manifesting clients that you're attracting to you, you just start to vibrate at a different energy. And it's really cool to have that experience of attracting things in a new way into your life. It's so true. And, and, and honestly, I feel like sometimes people say, you know, I have an identical twin sister, which I sort of, mm. we could do like a, a twin study on this because mm -hmm. she hears me watch you on Instagram and I, I follow these kind of messages and she's like, heard me the other day. She's like, you're like a, a cult or something. She's like, she's like <laughs> you drink like the Kool-Aid from, I don't know what, you need to stop listening to that. Start drinking. She is like that inner critic, like the little uh -huh. devil on the shoulder. Yeah. And she doesn't, she doesn't feel what I'm feeling. And it's not to say I'm not judging it at all, but she, I just want her to respect my decision I'm like this is my mm -hmm. journey this is what I'm doing um and so like I realized like I don't know what I, I I wanted to say a couple of things to you like during this month dealing with something that happened I, sometimes people say oh you know like life is amazing as is with alcohol why mm -hmm. would I change anything mm -hmm. like whatever it's crazy when we limit ourselves like we don't even like it's like the fear of the unknown and yeah what has come just from that decision, I have felt so much more aligned. I don't feel so restless anymore at all, actually. Mm -hmm. And then I, my, my husband's mother, uh, oh my God, I'm gonna, I don't want to get emotional. My mother-in-law, his mom just passed away two weeks ago mm -hmm. so and sorry. right in the middle. I know. Thank you. And it was unexpected. And you know, what was amazing? I was like, oh my gosh, like I, like, you know, my sister said, we're all going to the funeral. We're all flying to Miami. And she's like, how can you not be drinking while we're like, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, not a part of me wants to drink. Like I'm feeling, because mm -hmm. I started crying. We were out. She dragged me to a pub. I didn't drink. I just didn't have it. And they started playing this beautiful song, this Irish song. And mm -hmm. I was in tears just thinking of my mother-in-law. And she's like, this is why you need a drink. I'm like, this is why I don't want to drink. Mm. Yes. I'm so, I'm so, you know, just in awe of 
your willingness to be vulnerable and have that experience. Because I think that just to speak to grief, grief is one of the most beautiful, powerful, vulnerable, and raw experiences anyone can ever have. And not to judge any other way, because there are so many ways that we get through grief, but because we haven't been taught to handle it, because it is so painful, because it makes other people uncomfortable to witness it. There is, there is definitely a propensity to hand the grieving person a drink, try and encourage the grieving person just to like dampen it down, whatever. But the beauty of grief is for me is it is a reflection of how deeply you have loved and cared for someone. And so if you have been blessed with the experience of getting to love and experience a wonderful human being, isn't it then your moral, you know, right, your moral um, authority to experience the pain of that loss? And I think that when we are brave enough to do that, it just gives so much more integrity to a relationship to say, I loved you so much. And I'm so grateful that you were in my life in this, you know, living plane that I also want to experience the juxtaposition of that, which is grief and sadness and loss. And I think that, you know, some people in some cultures, of course, like there is this huge, you know, celebration and drinking is a big part of the, the memorial process. And yet it's such a disservice to that emotional like complexity of a relationship because you don't get to really endure it and feel it. And I just want to, you know, honor you and say that I think that that's really tremendous that you stuck with it. And also that I know that your healing will be easier because you chose to feel and people who don't sit and actually feel and deal with grief are those who it haunts them and actually sitting and processing it is a really difficult, but also really beautiful process. And I, you know, if anyone out there listening resonates with this, I think it's just such an honor to experience grief because again, it's just a reflection of love. Yeah. I absolutely love how you said that. And it's, it actually is the first time I feel like I'm thinking about when I've grieved in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to cry. I was, you know, brought up that way. And so when I've lost people along the way, I've been drinking it away, drink, 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 mm-hmm. right? And so it was interesting now with my parents this weekend, I love them so much. They're amazing. But they're like, my mom was like, you don't, you're not, you don't feel, you don't seem like a hundred percent. I'm like, mom, I'm not like, yeah. I'm, I'm like sad. And I started, I, I, I cried at the table, the lunch table, mm-hmm. like tears. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, And she's like, what is happening? Wait, (laughs) and I'm like, and I felt so vulnerable, but in a really beautiful and empowering and empowered way. I felt Mm -hmm. like this is what I'm feeling. I don't have to pretend that I have everything perfect and it's okay. And this is a tremendous loss to our family. And this is what I'm going through. And it was so beautiful to have that conversation. And, And I truly don't think that conversation could have happened if I was just drinking, 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 like I normally would have, you know, and and by the way, everyone that's listening, I've never considered myself an alcoholic. That's something that I love Mm -hmm. about Amanda and your book is that you're very clear about like, that's, I'm like, Oh, I'm not, I don't have a problem, but what Mm -hmm. what is it you say that I love that you say it's so good. Yeah. You know, because I speak to casual drinkers and we Mm -hmm. have this, this mindset in our society that I think can be really helpful for people who are experiencing addiction, but we have this mindset that there's some sort of prerequisite to quit drinking. And so I always like to say that you don't need to have a problem with alcohol for alcohol to be a problem in your life. And if alcohol is in any way holding you back from being the most authentic, the most vulnerable, the most self-expressed, the most potentially fulfilled version of you, then it is a problem. And it's it, you have the permission to look at it 
despite the fact that you might not have a problem with it. Oh, I love that so much. And every time I try to say it, I always get it tongue twisted. I messed it up. Like, <laughs> I've said oh, it a lot of times. So I got it. I got it on cue here for you. It's so good. I'm so glad you said it. I'm like, it doesn't have to be a problem for it to be a problem in your life. Like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's so true. That is exactly what it is. I want to mm-hmm. ask you too, before I forget, you know, women in this program and who listen to the podcast are actively, you know, ready to meet their person, right? Or dating or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I am big on don't go drinking on that first date because I'm very mm-hmm. big about the first date. First date is yep. so important. And I want them to be intentional. And, yes. when, you know, so this, this whole podcast episode, I don't want it to be like, everyone don't ever drink ever again. No, like, that's not my whole message. I truly want you to challenge yourself, read the book Unbottled Potential, you will question your relationship. And mm-hmm. I think you can totally get more intentional, especially when it comes to your dating life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, are, what are your thoughts on, you know, women dating, drinking, all of that? Yep. Well, I got some big thoughts on it and they're all based in personal experience because to be, you know, first of all, to just build my authority as someone who has been through this situation, I also have to say that I was not a, like, I didn't come into my own until my twenties and thirties, like physically and emotionally. Well, and definitely not until I quit drinking, but I never dated with anyone until I had started drinking. And so all of my dating experiences were always, you know, combined with liquid courage. So I had literally no idea as a 30 year old woman, what dating looked like outside of the trope of meeting for drinks. And so I had to renap, I had to navigate this situation and learn from scratch and kind of peel back the layers of vulnerability. And I'll tell you some of the things that I did and why they didn't work out particularly well. And then I'll tell you what I do now, um, just to make sure that everyone kind of doesn't pick an option that I don't give them <laughs> just think, <laughs> thinking that they'll work around this. Well, I, when I first stopped drinking, I would still go out and meet people at a bar. I would, um, you know, I would go on, I was on dating apps. So I would agree to come and like meet for drinks. And let me just cut to the chase that that never worked out for me. (laughs) Not because it was not because it was too tempting for me to drink because that was never, I was very clear. Like I am not drinking, but because one quite often I was meeting people who drinking was a significant part of their life. And that was just a mismatch for me because I wanted to be serious and intentional in my life. And so I realized that I needed to start vetting for that. So I needed to start asking, letting them know I'm a non-drinker and seeing if it's a huge thing for them. And then I would still go and meet for drinks. And then what I realized after that is that on a first date, it put us on a different energetic level. Even if that person only had two drinks within that first few minutes, you saw the energy shift. So this person was on a different plane than I was on. And it, it just diluted the ability to have vulnerability and connection because they were, you know, a little bit fuzzy, or maybe they were starting to be a little bit more gregarious than they normally would be. And I thought, well, this isn't realistic of who this person would be. And furthermore, all of these environments that we were meeting up in were kind of just not conducive for intimacy. Like, it's not that I wanted to like stare into their eyes or anything, but I wanted to be able to, I mean, sometimes I did, but I wanted to be able to have a great conversation in so many of those environments where drinks are being served. It's loud and it's rowdy. And that's by design, because if it's loud and it's rowdy, you'll drink more. And so even if my, my, you know, date were on great behavior, it's still just the environment just wasn't aesthetically it. So what I shifted to was, If this person who I'm going on a date with 
could potentially be my person, I want us both to show up as the most vulnerable, authentic versions of ourselves. And if that's a little bit awkward, so be it, because this person and I will know because we're being ourselves. And so I started making very clear that I did not drink and that I wanted to make sure that that wasn't a huge part of their lives. So I started vetting a little bit and that's, you know, neither here nor there, if that's something you want to do great. But I found that the best dates for me were, and I know other people will have different opinions on this, but I'm a busy woman. So I needed efficiency and I needed intimacy quickly. And so it was either a coffee shop if weather is not good or a walk if weather is great. And luckily I live in a place with amazing weather. So more often than not, we can go on like an hour or a two hour walk. And let me tell you, like Jackie, I've had some of the most like vulnerable, intimate, connective dates, even if they did not turn into anything else, at least I got to know the person Mm -hmm. as a person. And we got to have connection with each other, even if that connection didn't go any further. And so for me, as someone who dating had always been one thing that was kind of superficial, it just opened up this space for dating to be about communication and worst case scenario, at least I got on 10,000 steps. If it was a complete <laughs> flop, you know, and, I got your steps in. I love right? it. Exactly. Like worst case scenario, I got a good coffee and 10,000 steps. And <laughs> I just have had yeah. some of the best dates under this it. premise. And I can't recommend it to anyone. Um, like with enough enthusiasm, because even if you are a drinker, having that first date where you are both just showing up mm-hmm. and being vulnerable is so powerful. I agree. I agree. I actually am a big fan of coffee dates. I always say Mm -hmm. this to the ladies. Um, I'm very much about intention and really Mm -hmm. being clear on what you want in a partner. And I do feel like when someone's drinking a lot and you're you're not, you Mm -hmm. know, that's not part of what you're all about. I do feel like you're just that you're, you know, I truly think that some people are like, oh, well, it's not a big deal. They sweep it under the rug, but all those things kind of blow up in our face eventually. Yep. So I is. am all about being as authentic as possible. Scare the mm-hmm. shit out of people. Like, like, I want, <laughs> I, like you will scare the wrong people away. You will yep. attract the right people. Like, mm-hmm. so like a hundred percent, I love that you were just being very direct and honest from the jump about you not drinking. And some people are very like, oh, I won't drink. I won't date someone that doesn't drink like they've said mm-hmm. like I oh I was women. that person before yeah. I was I was <laughs> that person <laughs> you're like, and I love that you're like going on walks which I'm I've become the biggest walk lover I feel like uh-huh. being part of nature like my husband was a boy scout until he was 18 like I yeah. you know I used to date the bad boys and I real I realized with time like the dorks the nerds like that's uh-huh. where it's at like, it is absolutely where it's at oh man so much <laughs> Yeah. So I love the idea of like, oh, let's go for a walk. And if someone's like grossed out by that or like, oh, I don't want, I just want to go get wasted or I want to go party. It's like, okay, well, yeah. that's not for you. Bye-bye. Yeah. I don't have all about exactly. the bye-bye. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. You got to vet and, and forget it. If it's not, if it's not meeting the cr- criteria that you've decided is part of your value system. Yeah. And I will say something else too, in terms of alcohol and getting physical, I used to always lead with the physical and, mm-hmm. and, and alcohol for me was liquid courage, do whatever to get the guy to like me. I was mm-hmm. very just, you know, uh, playing the game and yep. I would feel less than after the date. Like, why did I kiss him? Why did we do that? Like what, what yes. the hell just happened? And mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, even after the date it was like blurry, like kind of like, do I, I never stopped to think 
you know, do, like, it's all about, does he like me? Does he like me? What can I do to like me? And then I don't stop and think, do I like him? Um, do, yes. And, and it's like, I need to put down the liquid courage, which is really not, mm-hmm. and get real clear on like, wait a second, who is this person? <laughs> like, do I even yeah. like this person? Yeah. I can't tell you the, the amount of dates I went on, even when you know, there's definitely some dates when I went overboard in my, um, with drinking and my, you know, my younger years, but as I matured, you know, it was still like a couple of drinks just to loosen up would also loosen up that, like those beer goggles that you had. And it's, it's someone who like, you didn't really know that you, if you liked him became way more charming and better looking. And I, you know, then you just turn into a different person and you're having a different experience. I guarantee if I went back on some of those dates and, had them sober that I would be like, Oh, let's call it. I'm not attracted to you. We're not, this isn't, this isn't, we're not working together. So let's be exactly. well. I'll see you later. Exactly. And actually like when you're saying this too, I, I just remembered, I almost completely ruined it with Will when we had just started dating, we were in the beginning, right. First, like couple weeks and we go out to dinner. My mom happened to be in the same restaurant and she sees me and she uh-huh. says, she says on the side to me, she's like, Jackie, Hey, stop drinking because you drank wine at dinner. And I could tell you're getting a little buzz. Stop drinking. I go, Oh, but mom, I'm going to a party at South beach. It's my friend's birthday. You know, mm-hmm. for sure. We're going to be drinking. She's like, Stone. Well, I didn't listen. Yeah. I went and I drank heavily tequila shots. Yeah. I, Oh, I then like totally lost, like my, you know, became insecure. All my insecurities came to the mm-hmm. surface. Um, I was not my best self. Will, mm-hmm. I somehow lost my shit at Will, which he, poor guy, <laughs> like the boy said, he was 18, like nerd, like so sweet, like the sweetest guy ever. I thought that he was like dancing or wanting to dance with some other girl. And I got insecure and I totally mm-hmm. went off on him. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't believe I was, so he ended up leaving that night. Like I went home, we all went home and my mom, I talked to her the next day and she's like, Jackie, what happened? I go, yeah, that, that I totally don't even remember, but all I know is that it wasn't good. Like I drank uh-huh. tequila, all that, that, that. So like the universe delivered will, and I'm yes. there like, oh, and let me just drink and fuck this yep. up. Like that's basically yeah. what I'm doing. And so I called will, thank God I called one owned my shit. And I said, hi, you know, I just want to apologize. Like that never happens. Da, 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 da. Like, I owned it. I said, sorry. He's like, I was so scared. He's like, I was scared. Honestly. Like I was like, wait a second. Is this what you do? Like, do you drink like this? And always never. And I swear to you, I never, like, I made sure to be like, I cannot ruin this Mm -hmm. amazing relationship. And alcohol was bringing out the worst in me and like Mm -hmm. ruining that. So yeah, that was, I feel like even when you find your person, I think you still have to always be grateful and be intentional and don't take it for granted. You know, because mm-hmm. as much as Will and I are amazing, I could have easily fucked that up. I could have lost yeah. it. Oh, to- totally. And I can't also tell you how many, you know, women I work with who they, a lot of their romantic interactions, they're married and their romantic, you know, their way of connecting is with drinking. And when they decide to quit drinking, there's this like, uh-oh moment of, do we like each other? Do we know how to connect? Like, So it can, you know, bringing alcohol in as kind of the third wheel in your relationship can, you know, just have a lot of destructive or at least, um, can bring up a lot of like self-conscious issues. So I think that, you know, if you start your relationship on a foundation where that is not involved, you're just going to set yourself up for more success because you know that the relationship and the connection then and there 
is solid versus, you know, going, you know, years and years into a relationship that's based based on like what I like to call a liquid bond or a liquid foundation. And that's Mm. never what I want for anyone. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And now that I t- you know when Will's Will's in Tennessee right now helping his dad um, you know, pack all his stuff up with his mother's stuff. And I said, mm-hmm. babe, you can drink. Like, like don't think you have to stick to the challenge that I'm doing. Like you can mm-hmm. he's like, no, I'm I don't want to. Like I'm doing this with you because he's never been a big drinker. He hasn't. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. I'm understanding him more. So many times mm-hmm. we go out and he's like, babe, let's just go home and like cuddle and like watch Netflix. And I'm like, when I start drinking, I'm like, no, party. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like the last one standing. Like, you have to drag mm-hmm. me out. And then, yes. the next, and then it takes me like 48 hours to recover. Like, I mm-hmm. lose my, like a whole bunch of life. Like, now I feel like I've gained time. Like, I'm like, oh my God, like I have time. Like, I have days. I'm like, I feel like I have so much time to get shit done. So anyway, now Will and I are on this journey together where we're not mm-hmm. drinking. And it's just yeah. so amazing and interesting because I understand him when he says, I want to go home. I'm tired. I'm like, oh my God, me too. Like I get that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I understand that. I don't yes. want to be here. I don't, this music kind of sucks. Like, Well, you know, what's so interesting about that, Jackie, is I see a lot of dynamics and partnerships where the husband isn't a huge drinker. Um, and the wife is the one, you know, because I work with primarily female clients who is struggling with that relationship with alcohol. So sometimes her husband doesn't understand why she can't just like click it off, but I want to draw something to attention because I imagine your readers are much like, or your readers, your listeners are a lot like you in that they are like, you are magnanimous. You are intelligent. You are so well-spoken. You are a big personality. And in a world where women are taught not to be big, not to take up space, not to be too smart, not to be too outspoken or else you're a bitch or you're whatever, what a better way to either one, give ourselves a permission slip to be wild and outrageous and to kind of cut loose than to drink alcohol. And two, what a better way to dull down some of our capabilities and to keep ourselves a little tipsy or a little hungover a good percentage of the time. And what I see is that Most of the women who I'm working with who are having this like spiritual reckoning that's helping them realize they don't want to drink anymore. They want to change that relationship is they're so capable. They are so big. They are so bright and they have used alcohol to keep themselves small because that's all they've been told they have permission to do. And I just see like that so much in this, like, oh, I'm the life of the party. I'm the one closing it down when I drink and then I suffer for days, but I keep doing it because for whatever reason, I feel like that's how I get to, you know, either be big or keep myself from being too big in everyday life. And it's such a wild thing to watch and witness or observe in yourself because no one would knowingly torture themselves or self-sabotage in that way. And yet that's what we're doing on some level. A hundred percent. It's absolutely, it was interesting too, is that like in having my twin, I swear to you, it's like a cool twin study. She says to me when I go out with her, she's like, oh my God, you're so fun. Oh my, mm-hmm. God, oh my God, I thought you were drunk because you're so fun. <laughs> yeah. she, I'm like, actually I'm better. I'm like, I feel better because I actually mm-hmm. like feel like we're having a conversation. I can remember. I don't have a hangover tomorrow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, yeah. you know, when, when the other night we went out, and I'm like, God, oh, this is evidence for your brain. And her name is God. Mm-hmm. Like, this is evidence mm-hmm. for your brain. I am mm-hmm. awesome, sober. <laughs> I am uh-huh. better, sober. And the next day I'll be like, oh, da, 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 da. And she's like, oh, wait, what happened? Like, and then she doesn't remember things. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like trying to like piece it back together for her because she she perhaps drank too much and she can't. I'm like, oh my God. But at the end of the day, I feel 
so empowered and so aligned that it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what yeah. my my mom or my sister, or my dad or Spain, <laughs> whatever the <laughs> whole country says, I'm like, I'm good. I feel so yeah. aligned and I don't know like what's going to happen. Like, I, let me ask you about that because this is a 90 day challenge with your book. And I'm like, what's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. um, I have zero desire to drink. And actually, mm -hmm. it, it's weird. When I smell alcohol, it feels gross. It smells gross mm -hmm. to me. Yep. Is that normal? Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I smell most things, I'm like, like I have this like recoiling. Yeah. And it's also because when you start to wake up energetically and spiritually, you start to be repulsed by anything and, and not in like a hateful way, but you just start to be um, drawn away from those things that are harmful to you. And it just seems unappealing. All of a sudden you find it unattractive. Like when you are, you know, I'm sure that you maybe do some of this work with your clients. Like if you have attachment wounds, when you are in your wound, you find it so attractive that the person is unavailable. But once you come out of your wound, that looks unattractive to you. Like you do not want to screw around with people who are emotionally unavailable. You don't have to convince them that you're the one for them or that you're worthy because you know, and therefore you're not even going to mess with that relationship. And it's very similar for alcohol. And once you start to step into your own, your self-worth and your confidence and your power, you just are unattracted to that thing. And it's not like it has to be wrong or bad, or you have to sit and gossip about it, but it's just like, Oh, that's not for me. Right. And that's, that's the kind of energy you're starting to get to where you're just like, Oh, I'm turned off by that. It's exactly how I feel. And so yeah. when I, even the other day when I was like, how many days, I wasn't even counting days. I just, I'm not drinking and I don't know the plan. And people have asked me, oh, how, what, how long is this going to go for? Like, what's the plan? Mm -hmm. So I say 90 day challenge. Like I, I listened to your advice on the book, like a 90 mm -hmm. day challenge. But yep. in my mind, deep down in my heart, like I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Like, what would this year look like? What would mm -hmm. this year look like sober? Like, oh my God, that's yeah. kind of exciting to me. Yes. And like my kids, that's another thing for the new year's resolution said, Oh, I don't, how about you don't drink so much? They asked me that. That was like, oh, cute. and now uh -huh. they see me, I have a 10 and a 12 year old. And I'm like, wait a second. And I'm telling you guys, I know that sounds like I'm an alcoholic, even like I'm judging my judging that statement, mm -hmm. but to them, they see a difference when I'm not drinking. Mm -hmm. Like, yep even one drink affects me. Like, I, I don't know mm -hmm. what, it feels like I've gotten allergic or something. And you mentioned that mm -hmm. in your book about when you're in your spiritual awakening, like mm -hmm. even one drink throws you off so much. Yep. And I feel like that was happening to me. Yeah. So, yeah. And kids are very intuitive. Like they haven't yet been like made wise to the ways of the world. And so mm -hmm. they're sensing these like subtle shifts in you, even if it's not like, you know, mommy is passed out in the kitchen with a <laughs> glass of wine in her hand. I wasn't, I have never. <laughs> right. But it's, it's so powerful. And I, you know, I just was writing a little note on the side to make sure that I put back together this reflection for everyone to do at those 90 day marks, because it's so important that when you hit those milestones, that instead of saying, mm, this is what's tempting, I'm going to dip my toe back into the pond and flirt with alcohol a little bit and see how it feels is to really do a reassessment instead of saying, oh, I'll test the water, say, no, I'm going to actually recap on the experience. I'm going to go back and ask, where am I at? How do I feel? Do I like to feel this way? Do I want to feel this way more? And did alcohol help me do that? And typically the answer is no, but in, if we don't ask the question, we forget and we start to exactly like your clients romanticize all of the good times. Well, it wasn't that bad. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And 
And like, surely so it'll true. be better. Surely it'll be better this time. It's not, it won't be better. It's, it's not okay. <laughs> Let me cut yeah, to the exactly. But you have to remind yourself of it. You have to do a practical exercise to remind your, you know, short minded brain that this is not what you wanted. It was not that great. In fact, it was pretty terrible. And do you want to go back to that? And you really have to do some reckoning with yourself to make sure that your ego brain doesn't convince your heart brain to do something that you actually don't want to do. And I think it's so important that when you hit that 90 day milestone, that before you decide what to do next, you do a really, really intentional reflection. And if you can do that, I think you'll know the answer for yourself, what you want to do moving forward. I'm, I'm excited. I have loved this call so much. I have loved this journey. I love your book. You guys, everyone needs to get it. Unbottled potential. And you can yes. also hear it on Spotify too. If you're a Spotify mm-hmm. premium, I, I haven't heard your audible and I want to hear it. So I think I'm going to listen <gasps> yeah. oh, to it. So good. Please do. I'm going to listen to it too, uh, within these 90 days too, just to like, you stay the path. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm on this beautiful path. My sister calls it the cult. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but I, I assure I, you it's not. I assure you we double checked. It's not a cult. <laughs> I've had the experts look into it. Oh my God. I have loved, I really truly want everybody, like if this has resonated with you, follow Amanda Kuda. I'll drop her Instagram handle down below. Um, also, if you're wondering, oh my God, if you're into sober, are you sober curious? You know, that's what I used to say, sober curious. Yeah. Um, and I think I still am, right? Am I sober yeah. curious still? I think so, yeah, because you're still okay. trying to figure out what it is for the long term. And the, the, okay. the deal is you'll know when you know. Yeah. So like, I, you know what I could do too, Amanda, if it's cool with you, I'll drop that link to that quiz that you have. And yes. so people mm-hmm. can, who are interested and wondering what, what am I? I'll drop it down there for you too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Amanda, so much, so much for being Jackie. here. I just so oh, appreciate thank you. you, your heart, your story. I, it, I just can't thank you enough. I truly, truly mean it. Oh, I am so glad. Glad to have this conversation with you and I hope to connect with some more of you soon. Yay. Thank you. Show them your cards, show them your tears.